0: Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Tony, I am a very compulsive, and I'm a very compulsive overeater. Ella, thank you so much for inviting me. What a lovely group of people. It's so funny. Because whenever I'm asked to speak, I feel like, why? Because I've been working this program perfectly imperfect since probably 88. I've been in and out of the rooms, in and out of the rooms, just keep taking my will back, in and out, in and out. And I mean, I I know I was a compulsive overeater since birth. I just didn't know the name for it till I was in my thirties. I always had to have more especially sugar and processed starches. Um, I just didn't know how to stop. And so I always felt ashamed. I had a beautiful upbringing. I had nothing to do with my family. I was just born this way, like Gaga says. Baby, I was born this way. And I just always felt less than, and I'd have to act out, and that I just didn't get it. And there was such shame about being such a pig, such a glutton, that I always had to have more. I just couldn't physically stop. <clears throat> and I've been on every diet there is. Let's face it, everything from the Cambridge Diet to Weight Watchers to the Zone to you name it. And uh, you know, diets work for me until they don't. You know, um, I find it interesting looking back all of my romantic relationships, not one of them was healthy. And I recently heard on RuPaul's Drag Race, RuPaul said, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? You talk about a bingo Yahtzee moment. I was like, there it is. There it is. How can I love somebody else if I can't love me? I had to learn it on RuPaul's Drag Race. But, you know, working the steps, of course, and working a spiritual program. That's where I'm learning how to do that. Again, I've been in and out for so many years, taking my will back, not working the program right. And talk about the first time I read the steps and saw step eight and nine, I thought, oh, hell no. Hell no. And it's a certain amount of surrender, I think. Um, I hear all over the meetings. We work the steps to get recovery. We go to meetings to feel better. And I hear we work the steps so we don't commit suicide and we work the tradition so we don't commit homicide. And I believe that <laughs> totally. Um, it's Oh, today I'm down about 105 or so pounds from my top weight. And honey, I still weigh over 200 pounds. I'm a five foot six woman and it takes what it takes. And every day I learn, I just have to surrender more. It's funny when I recommitted my program this last time, it was the first time I restarted for the sanity and not the vanity. I knew that I had to just let go and turn it over to a power greater than myself. And I made so many outreach calls to people who I thought had it and asked them about their spiritual connection. And what does it mean to surrender? What does it mean to turn it over? What does that mean? Because I, I didn't realize what a control freak I was my whole life being very, you know, because I was a fat kid, I was very strong. I played sports. I had to be the best, you know, when I was waiting tables, I had to be the fastest. I had to have the most sales. Um, I just always had to overcompensate because I felt so empty inside really, you know? I remember somebody in the rooms one time sharing, I'm an egomaniac with no self-esteem. And that was another like, ah, moment for me. And he said, love me, love me, love me. Look away, I'm hideous. And I was like, exactly, exactly. So I listen, I, you know, there's a pandemic. If I can't go to one meeting a day, what am I doing? You know, So I go to at least a meeting a day. I have a sponsor, I have sponsees. Um, I make at least two outreach calls a day. I commit my food in the morning. And that was another hell no moment for me. I thought, after all these years, I gotta commit my food, but I have to do what my sponsor tells me to do. And you know what? It's actually now, I love it because then I don't have to think about it all day. It's right there. And if, I go out spur of the moment. Or if I looked up on a menu, if I'm eating out and they're out of it, I text my sponsor before I eat it. It just keeps me a little sane because I've learned I can't make food decisions in the moment because they're always wrong. Um, God, it's still so not perfect for me. But let me talk a little bit about eight and nine and then maybe I'll get back more to the Tony show. I mean, made a list of all persons we had harmed and made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would hurt them or others. I mean, that's huge. And the, the wording in this book that was written so many years ago, I looked up the word amends and I, you know, I just put it on my phone again because it says to make mistake, uh, amends means um, to correct a mistake, to do something to correct a mistake that one has made or a bad situation that one has caused talk about the wreckage of my past. So those were the hardest steps for me. To me, one, two, and three were God can, I can't, I think I'll let God. And then four to nine were really the get in and working steps. And 10 and 12 for me are the maintenance. That's just me. But eight and nine, you talk about having to smash your ego. And it's all over this book, Alcoholics Anonymous Comes of Age, Dr. Silkworth talks about the smashing of the ego. I didn't realize what an egomaniac I was or control freak, or as step three says, in the bondage of self and a people pleaser. So step eight, I remember working at this restaurant and I was a waitress and I always felt like, well, I don't get any breaks. I'm gonna pay holiday. I don't get paid for sick time. I'm a single mother but I knew these things, I, 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 I knew this when I took the job, but to justify it, when we had $10 off coupons, I'd go out and grab them out of people's mailboxes, out of the newspaper. And when a customer came in and paid cash, girl, I put that $10 in my pocket. And so, you know, I'm 64 years old. I'm not going to remember everything I did wrong. And the last time I did eight and nine, I remembered that. I was like, shit. So I took a lot of money. So I called the restaurant, asked if the manager was in, he said, yes. And I said, I'd like to come in and talk to you. And I got a handful of money. And first I talked to my sponsor and told her what I was gonna say because I am taught to keep it short, just a few sentences. Cause I'm a freaking addict. I wanna go on and on and do a whole diet You know, the third act of AIDA, nobody needs to hear that. So I just went in and this kid I could have given birth to was the manager. And I said, hi, I'm Tony. I I used to work here. And when I was here, I used coupons and took money. And I would like to make that right. And I took a bundle of cash and put it in this kid's hand. And he just looked at me and his jaw kind of unhooked a little bit. And I said, thank you so much. Have a nice day. And I left. And it's funny because one of my best girlfriends who doesn't believe in OA, we used to work together and we both shared coupons and shit. And I was talking about something with programs. She goes, yeah, but did you ever pay them back? I said, you know what? Actually, I did. And she was like, what? I go, yeah. She goes, but what if he didn't put it through the cash? I go, that's not my business. She, what if he didn't train? I said, my job was to make my amends. What's going on in his side of the street, honey? If he took it to a strip club and threw it all in crotches all night, that's not my business. That is not my business. So I, I, I love it. And you know what else I like about it, especially cause I'm older, I can make a living amends. I had a very, very dear friend some years ago who, when I was out of the rooms and I was eating and I was even boozing a little bit. And uh, yeah, I was a single mom. I didn't date for 12 years and then I totally dropped my handbag and went insane for a year. And um, so this girlfriend of mine, got cancer, and I didn't go and see her and I didn't go and see her. And then I met her, I took her to lunch at um, Cantor's a deli. And when I saw her, I was kind of in shock because I love this person. I mean, I love her with all my heart, and she was bald, and one of her arms was really swollen. She was a vegetarian her whole life, and she was eating meat because something about the chemo, I mean, I just I lost my mind, and I never talked to her again, because I didn't have the tools. I didn't know how. And that haunts me every day. So when my little sister over five years ago was diagnosed with breast cancer, I thought, okay, I can make a living amends. And I call her every day and check on her. I let her rage against the machine, do whatever she has to do. I mean, I've done everything from mailing her crazy wigs to a F cancer box and all kinds of crazy things. And I even went to one of the kids in the restaurant I was working at at the time, bought pot off of him, stuck it in coffee beans and mailed it to her. She's like, what's with all the coffee? I go, there's reefer in there Smoke it, so you don't throw up. No, I can't. You know, but I was just trying to do my best because I couldn't help my dear friend Katie because I wasn't physically, mentally, spiritually able to. So I wasn't going to let that happen again. And that's, That's how I make my living amends. You know, it's, um, boy, this step eight and nine is not easy. It's not easy. but, But what I find as I make more and more amends, the ping pong balls in my head get less and less. That crap that keeps me up and spinning at night, woulda, shoulda, coulda, la, 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 la. Once I do it, I can let it go. I don't have to worry about it anymore. And it's so funny. I was talking to a woman in program and I said, so when you do the steps again, do you ever have to make the same amend or the same? She goes, does it bring heat? If it brings heat, you have to. I was like, oh man, that's pretty smart. You know, but I can, and out of all the amends I've made, I think there were only one or two past boyfriends that just couldn't take them. And that's my, not my business. I said, I am apologizing from the bottom of my heart. You know, you were there. It was sex, drugs, rock and roll. I was at SHIT. And I'm really, really sorry for that. And I meant it, you know. But if the guy, you know, what can I say if somebody doesn't want to take them? And it's so interesting. My daughter, I'm a single mother, she's 28 years old. And two years ago, she broke contact with me. I wouldn't have been more shocked if Oprah showed up at my door and told me I won the lottery. I did not see it coming. I had no idea. I I actually contemplated suicide, but my mother was still alive. And I, as a mother, I thought, "I I can't do that to my mother, you know? So one of the last things my mother did for me without knowing it is she saved my life. And so my kid doesn't talk to me and I have no idea why. And I went to make amends to her father I picked up the phone, even though in my book, he was the eighth dwarf, useless. But I thought, it doesn't matter. All I can do is apologize for when I was bitchy, for when I snapped, for when I yelled. It doesn't matter what he did or what the hell he didn't do, because he didn't do. But let me call him and clean my side of the street. And I couldn't reach him and I had his girlfriend's number and she said, oh, you know, we broke up a year and a half ago, blah, blah, blah. She goes, but I owe you an apology. And I was like, for what? She said, in the 15 years we were together, I saw him poison your daughter's mind against you. And she started telling me things that I thought I was having a heart attack. My chest hurt so much. And I was like, thank you so much, but I, I have to hang up. I just, I, I can't take any more in right now. And when I talked to my sponsor about it, I said, I don't wanna track him down. I can't make amends to this man because I just can't. I'm not there. I can't because I'm afraid of what I'll say. I'm afraid of what I'll do. And she said, you don't have to. You know, you talk about being in in total shock, but if I didn't go to make amends to him, I never would have got that piece of the puzzle. I couldn't figure out why, why? So this woman said it was going on for 15 years. I left him when my daughter was nine months old. God knows how many years it was going on for. So, you know, I just, oh boy. I remember trying to make amends to a bank many years ago that I owed money to and never paid and they're out of business and I'm trying to trace that mother company and this one and that one. And I said to my sponsor, what do I do? She's like, living amends, living amends. So I actually, and I don't have deep pockets, but I look for when I'm at the store. If somebody's in front of me and they're short, I pay it. I just, I just do it. If so, you know, and I remember, and this was recently, I was at the Ralph's at the supermarket and the woman in front of me forgot her card or something. And she was like, I don't know, 10, 15 bucks short, whatever. She had a whole ton of groceries and she was her cage was rattled. She was dressed very nice. And I said, you know what? I got it. And she looked at me and she said, no, I have money. I just can't buy my car. I said, I know. I got it. She goes, no, no, I'll go home. I go, girl, by the time you go home, all your crap's gonna melt. Please let me do this. She goes, but I just forgot. I said, I forget to wear my pants to the supermarket. Today's a good day. I got them on. Please. And then she got it. She saw me. And she goes, Well, how do I pay you back? I go, you don't. You pay it forward. And I can't tell you how many times I've done that. And it just feels good you know I I've broken the 15 you got 10 more thank you baby I've broken law more times I'm just lucky you know I I remember I I was a girl scout leader and there was this little girl being raised by her grandmother in my troop because her father was in jail and she was so mortified and I took her to the side and I said you know baby we all do something as adults that we should be in jail for your daddy got caught so what so what Somebody asks, he's away on a job or whatever, you don't have to tell anybody anything, and your daddy isn't any worse than anybody else. Those are the living amends I can make, you know, trying to make somebody else feel good, just trying to be the best person I can. Um, Boy, it ain't easy. Eight and nine, (laughs) it's just not easy. when my leg was hurt and my back was hurt, and I didn't bend to pick up my dog's poop today, if my neighbor leaves a bag of poop in front of the door and I'm going down to the garbage, I pick it up. I don't say a word, but to me, that's another living amends. You know, I, I try to do something good for somebody every day. And if I could do it without being discovered to me, it's a bonus buck. So, um, I go to a lot of meetings. I've heard so many I've gotten so many gems in meetings. And like I said, I've been in and out. I have dropped under pounds. I've gone out and gained almost under pounds. And I heard this woman at a meeting once talking about the prelapse. And that was another one of my aha uh-huh moments. She talked about the relapse doesn't happen with the first bite. It's when your program starts fraying like an old pair of jeans. Like, eh, I don't have to go to that meeting. Do I really have to make two calls a day? Who's going to know? You know, things that that's the, so now I'm on the lookout for. It. I'm on the lookout for the prelapse. I, four and a half years ago, I became disabled overnight. I was waiting tables. I was in rehearsal for a big New York play. Boom, I'm in the hospital for almost a month. I was born with a freak vein thing that almost killed me. I almost lost my leg. So I went from running like a lunatic to learning how to walk again. And you talk about wanting to eat you know? So this program teaches me consistency because I'm not going to see big changes. I just had a knee replacement three months ago. Consistency. I did not want to do my exercises this morning. I'm on antibiotics for something else. I feel bleh. I want to puke. I don't feel, I'm tasting metal. It's horrific. And I thought, just do it. Because if I wait to want to do something, girl, I ain't never going to want to do it. So that's what I learned from the program like writing my letter to my higher power every morning, putting my food, you know, it's tech writing my food down the first times to God. I text it into my sponsor. That's the second time I do it. I make those two phone calls every day. I go to a meeting every day. I talk to a lot of people and I'm trying to just be a better person. And when I'm up at night, I mean, I cry over my daughter every day, not all day. But every day there's a moment when I cry and I take a breath. I do a gratitude list and then I say a prayer for her. And I never pray for her to talk to me. I pray for her to be healthy, for her to be happy, for her to have everything she wants because that's what I feel. You know, I told my sisters because she refuses to have contact with me. If she ever needs anything, I'll send it to her with no questions asked. And that's how I love unconditionally. That one, did I learn it in the rooms or from dogs? I don't know, because dogs love unconditionally. They're amazing. I've never had a dog who cared how much I weighed or what I did for a job. They don't care. They just love me unconditionally. And I thought, man, that's why dogs fell backwards as God. They could teach us so much. So what else about eight and nine? I mean, it's an everyday thing. It's not perfect. I've learned that my first thought is never the best one. And in the big book, it says we stop and take a breath. And I do that nine out of 10 times. Now, was I on a meeting last Saturday morning and unmuted before the meeting started and just said, just shut the F up to somebody. And it was heard. Are you shitting me, Tony? Yeah, I did it. Yeah, I did it. It's how I felt. Somebody texted me, you know, messaged me, and it was somebody else who I felt talked too much on another meeting. And I said, you know what? I have many opinions. Do I have to make an amends? I don't know. I'll have to talk to my sponsor about it. But it's a feeling. And I've always said on my shares, there are going to be people I'm yelling at at my screen. And honey, there are going to be people yelling at me on their screen. We're not everybody's flavor. You know, I'm still human. I try to do my best. I heard a neighbor downstairs was just talking smack about me. How many? Five. Thank you. And I heard this woman downstairs was just talking smack about me. And she's been so lovely through my knee surgery and all my vein stuff and everything. And I thought, what? And then I remembered she's a pill popper. She's a pill popper. It's not my business. Because my first thought was, "Mm, really? And I was going to go down there and read her her newsletter. And I thought, I don't have to do that. What What, what is that going to accomplish? She's going to take another pill and forget about it. It's not my business. That's a big one. It's not my business, you know, to just do what I have to do. And it doesn't make any difference what they have to do. I have had some angels in my life. I had a, a customer I waited on many years ago that we've become good friends. That I can't tell you how many times has helped me financially and otherwise and wants nothing in return. And at first it freaked me out. he goes, Tony, I was raised by a single mother. I see you busting your butt. I know you. And today he needs a surgery. He doesn't have insurance. And I said, let me help you. And he was, but I go, let me help you. And it feels so good to be able to do something for somebody else. It's not a payback. It's just to me, I, I feel better. I don't worry about if he's gonna pay me back or not. It's not my business. It's not my business. I want him to get the surgery. So I help him because I can today. I don't know about tomorrow, but today I can. So it's, it's really, for me, it's learning to just do today. There was a woman in a meeting who shared, she was so calm, so lovely. She said, today's Sunday, I just have to do Sunday. And it was another click moment. I ran out that door after the meeting to ask her to sponsor me. I thought, I'm either going to get a sponsor, I'm going to get a restraining order. I'm going I'm to take my chances. And she taught me so much. And I've had some lovely sponsors. And I can honestly say, I'm still friends with every one of them. They are the voices in my head. They don't judge me when I give them my fourth step, my fifth step, my eighth. My, they don't care. They don't care. And I was able to take a sponsee recently and she didn't want to say something. I said, then you don't have to tell me, tell somebody else. And then she said, I want to tell you. And it was, it was a biggie and I didn't blink. And I said, that's okay. God's already forgiven you. Let it go, let it go. Where did that come from? You know, I'm the neurotic Sicilian who just, just, just look at me wrong. Where did that come from? I want, To be like these people I see in the rooms who are nice and calm, who are in the middle of the herd, you know, they don't have to prove anything, they're just of service, they share once in a while, I think that's so lovely. I really would like to be that when I grow up, and I can be if I keep working these steps. Thank you for letting me share.